One day Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal those who were ill. Some men came carrying a paralysed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up onto the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friends, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralysed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor but those who are ill. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Okay, Idris going to come and speak to us, and before he does, we'll just pray, pray for him. Dear Lord, we just thank you for Adrian, and we thank you, Lord, for the word that you've given um, to him today to bring to us. And we pray for each of us, Lord, that you would open our hearts and you'd open our ears to hear what you have to say to us today. For these things we pray in your name. Amen. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, good to see you all here today. Thanks for, for being here. Um, a big welcome if you are visiting us today. It's uh, lovely to have you with us. Uh, please have Luke 5 open, so we can, you can follow along with me. <clears throat> just going to start by telling you a little bit of a story. Uh, when I was with London City Mission, I did my gap year with LCM. They were a charity in London that, that reached out to all sorts of people uh, in all sorts of areas in London there. Uh, and we had this training session once a week. And I remember a missionary uh, telling us this story. Her name was Sarah. And when she was new to the mission, uh, they kind of pair you up with someone else uh, and... She was shadowing one of the other missionaries, let's call him Frank, these are not real names. Uh, you know, learning, learning the job, essentially. And they were on the way one day and they passed this homeless man asking for money uh, and, you know, asking for help. And right from the start, I remember this even myself, <clears throat> we were always instructed not to give money because 
you weren't quite sure what was going to happen. It could be easily be spent on something unhelpful for them. You were supposed to offer them food instead. And to his credit, Frank does that. He offers to buy this gentleman some food and they go off into McDonald's together, <coughs> buy a meal for this, this man. And then it became a bit awkward. They were kind of sitting quite in silence kind of while this guy ate his food. But Sarah said the, the most awkward thing was the expression on this missionary's face, on Frank's face. There was no smile. It was just this kind of miserable face, like looking incredibly unhappy, like he would rather be anywhere else in all the world than actually have you know, done, done this thing and, and, uh, and been there for this man. And she got the sense that he'd probably only done this because she was with him at the time and, and he was just because he knew it was the right thing to do. So it's, it's a good thing, isn't it, to offer food like that? But I guess there's a question, isn't it? Was there genuine compassion? Was there motive there? Was there a desire to care for this person? Or was it just trying to keep up an appearance? Did Frank actually want to spend time with this struggling soul? Well, what would you have done in that situation? What, what have you done if you faced that sort of situation in the past? I remember listening as an 18-year-old thinking, I think I would have been exactly the same. Probably done the right thing, but not really wanted to inside. Kind of just had that kind of gritting my teeth and getting on with it kind of attitude, perhaps. Uh, I don't know how you would have done. It's hard, isn't it, to move towards difficult and hurting people uh, because it, it, it's costly. It, it, it's, it can be painful, it can be hard. You risk hurting yourself, uh, maybe relationally. But if you, if you, note, you know, if you feel, if, you, if what I've just described, kind of, you feel that, that, that sort of tension, that it's hard, this passage has something really important to teach us. We are continuing through Luke's Gospel. Uh, Jesus is going through the towns and villages of Galilee, teaching these amazing things, doing these amazing things, healing people. And like we saw last time, we, did the re- we read the passage from last week just to remind us what some of the amazing things Jesus was doing. The paralyzed man lowered through the roof and healed by Jesus. And it's really significant because of the reaction of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Remember, they were the super strict religious leaders. They were the ones that were proud of their position. They were were there to test Jesus, essentially. And he says, friend, your sins are forgiven. And they are offended and upset. They can't believe what they're hearing because only God can forgive sins. And yet Jesus is making a point about who he is, why he has come. But they're not willing to even, <clears throat> even consider that he might be the son of God. So what follows on, the verses we're going to focus on today, uh, on these short verses, it's another kind of run-in with the Pharisees, really. Uh, and we see a different problem that comes up. So firstly, what we see is that Jesus eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners. I haven't got the clicker, so I don't know if anyone's got it. Oh, it's below. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, God. There we go. Uh, look at verse 27 again with me. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, <clears throat> and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. You know, it's hard for us to really comprehend just how much the people of Jesus' time hated tax collectors. Uh, They were traitors because they worked with the Romans. They were seen as robbers because they would 
collect more tax than they should. They would exploit people. And they were unclean. They mixed with the Gentile Romans. And, yeah, they, they were kind of really on the outskirts of society. Uh, one rabbi of the time, apparently, or some of them in the, the teachings of that time, said that basically if a tax collector steps into your house, then your whole house and everyone in it becomes unclean. It's that sort of level of kind of disdain for these people. They were rich, but they were sinful. They were excluded socially. And yet, it's amazing to see, isn't it, what Jesus does. He, he goes out, as he's walking along, he sees Levi, uh, who we also know as Matthew, in Matthew's Gospel. Uh, and he's sitting, collecting taxes. And does, he, does Jesus avoid him, just cross over the other side of the road and carry, carry on his way? No. He says, follow me. Follow me. And just like we saw with Peter and the fisherman a few weeks back, Levi gets up, leaves everything behind, and follows Jesus. Now, that was a big sacrifice for him. He, he was probably the richest of the, the 12 disciples, uh, being a tax collector, uh, and there was no going back for him. You know, you think about the fishermen, there's still fish in the Sea of Galilee, isn't there? If everything fell through with Jesus, they could go back to the water, and I'm sure they'd be able to get started again, at least catch some fish. There's no going back if you're a tax collector and you leave your position to, to, um, to, to go off with someone else. He, he wouldn't be able to return. And yet he doesn't seem worried, does he? He holds this amazing banquet, this celebration, uh, welcoming Jesus to his home. There is something about Jesus that changes everything for this man. Maybe it's just even that invite, that acceptance that Jesus shows him. Unexpected. And who does he share this moment with? It's not the great and the good and the, the kind of religious people, is it? It's the, the tax collectors and, and other people like that. Maybe his friends and his colleagues, maybe other people who were kind of on that kind of outskirts of society. They were the ones that would, you know, relate to tax collectors. And they were the ones that came to this banquet. But it's fair to say, isn't it, that the Pharisees are very much not impressed unimpressed Pharisees. Verse 30. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belong to their sect complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? They are appalled at what Jesus is doing. I guess it's a, a little bit like if you imagine an MP or someone like that gets caught in corruption uh, and, you know, stealing through their expenses and taking bribes, lining their own pockets, having affairs, kind of all of that stuff. And it all comes out in the media uh, and everyone's shocked. And the next day you see him going into the local pastor's house for dinner with a load of his dodgy mates. You'd go, what's going on? Why is, why is, why are they going in there? That's not right, is it? Would you be unimpressed? Would you be a bit angry, perhaps frustrated that it's not right to associate with people like that? That was the Pharisees' attitude towards tax collectors. Especially eating with people like that. There is something, isn't there, about when you eat with other people, there's a sense of acceptance, a sense of fellowship. And in that culture, it was particularly strong that to have a meal with someone, it was an honour. It was an offer of peace and trust and, and being united and, and a sign of sharing life together. And the Pharisees cannot understand what Jesus is doing. To eat with people like that, whether it was to become unclean, almost to share in their sinful way of life somehow. 
They would never do such a thing. They would keep, keep away from people like that. And it's interesting, isn't it, that they go up to his disciples. Did you notice that in verse 30? They don't go to Jesus, they go to his disciples. Probably an easier target to kind of speak to and challenge. And yet, Jesus is the one who responds to them. Jesus is the one who says in verse 31, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. We see why Jesus has come. We see why he has come, don't we? It's this amazingly clear statement. He didn't come to spend time with people who think they've got it all together. He came to spend time with people who need saving, who need help. People who are messed up and broken and are law-breaking sinners. You don't ever go to the doctor, do you, if you're feeling okay? Can you imagine that? Phoning up in the morning. Uh, can I have an appointment, please? Oh, yeah, what's wrong? Nothing's wrong. I just want to pop in and say hello. They, they put the phone down on you, wouldn't they? They would stop wasting my time. You go to the doctor when you're sick. You go to the doctor when you need help. And that's why Jesus mixed with the, the wrong crowds. He spent time with people in need. And he wasn't you know, contaminated by that sin. He was perfect. He was showing that there was a way for them to be accepted, for their lives to be changed. They could be welcomed. They could be forgiven. I think Levi saw this and followed Jesus. I wonder how many others at that meal, on that day, decided to follow Jesus. Whereas the Pharisees, they just carry on grumbling, pointing out things that they think are wrong. And we'll, we'll carry on next week. The, the conversation continues. They continue to grumble. But for those who come to Jesus, you see this amazing, wonderful acceptance, new hope, new life. And it's worth leaving everything behind for. I think that that's because they knew the genuine love of Jesus. They knew how much he, he cared for them. That Jesus wasn't like the, the guy I mentioned at the start who was kind of gritting his teeth and caring for people. It's not like that with Jesus. Jesus doesn't sort of look at us and grit his teeth and say, oh, okay, I've got to love these sinful people. I suppose I have to. I don't really want to, but I've got to. That's not what Jesus is like. That's not how his heart works. He moves towards people who are, are broken and needy. He moves towards people that no one else does. And he shows them compassion and he shows them love and he offers help and healing. Uh, like a doctor moves towards sick people that, that he knows he can help. Jesus draws towards sinners. He is drawn in in order to heal them, in order to, to save them from their sin. Isn't that an amazing thing we need to grasp for ourselves? That Jesus came to call sinners to repentance. And it, it follows on from last week. Last week the message was that we come with nothing, we come empty-handed. We come needing help. And that's where we find it. And that's where we find him laying down his life for us on the cross to save us. And we can't move on from that reality. We can't move on from that place of, of needing him. It can be easy sometimes as we grow, as we change, as we improve, we become a bit self-righteous. We become a bit more like the Pharisees. We kind of somehow foolishly think, yeah, something I'm doing is improving my salvation here. You know, I'm doing all these good things because Jesus is helping me and now I'm better. We've got to remember, no, Jesus has done it all. He's the one who's forgiven us. He's the one who changes us. It's not about us. And if, you ever, if you're noticing, if maybe you're feeling like that today, you're feeling a bit of self-righteousness, we need to pray for humility, that we would see that, 
in ourselves. But I wonder if, for many of us, it's more a case of really struggling to believe just how much Jesus loves us. We're aware sometimes of the ongoing sin in our lives, areas where you're struggling to change and grow and give in repeatedly, and you're repenting, but you kind of just end up feeling like Jesus is pretty fed up with you by now, and you're afraid to keep coming to him. We need to see, we need to remember that Jesus really loves us. He really does. And we see it because he eats and drinks with sinners here. He's not gritting his teeth, he's welcoming. He's embracing them, showing them love. They come as they are. They find hope and life like no one else can offer. And that's true for us too. You know, our culture is very individualistic, isn't it? It's all about what we can achieve, what, what can I achieve myself? And we fall into this trap of thinking, right, I can only come to Jesus once I've kind of sorted myself out a bit. You know, I've got to go off, I've got to become a bit less sinful, then I might be able to actually come to Jesus. That's not what we see here. Is it? Levi doesn't go off for, for, for a year and change. He, he, he comes as he is to Jesus. And we need to do the same. We don't need to hide. We need to come and be welcomed and loved and forgiven as we trust Jesus, as we turn away from us and trust him instead. But it's hard, isn't it? Because we know our hearts. No one else knows what's going on inside our hearts. Well, no one knows how sinful we really are, how often we turn away from God. And we're kind of scared to maybe have that exposed. But God knows. God knows it all. And yet has still moved towards us and welcomed us in love. This is a, a sermon in two halves. We're going to pause now and just reflect quietly, just for a moment, on just what Jesus' love means for us. That, that overwhelming welcome. The undeserving grace that he shows us. And then I'm going to read to you a little quote and a little, uh, a little dialogue from a book that just puts, helps us maybe understand Jesus' love. Let's just pause for a moment and reflect. It was quite a helpful, helpful testimony, quite a helpful video. Obviously, that connection with the passage that we're looking at, obviously it was, it was from Matthew's Gospel, the same words that really spoke to Brad there. And, and, and you know, Jesus, Jesus sort of met, met him in that moment that he realised that Jesus had come for sinful people. But it was, it was deeper than that, wasn't it? And kind of just how he wanted to, to hear that news. Uh, and that, that kind of led me to want to sort of ask the question as, as we... Uh, before we finish, which is this, will, will we do the same as Jesus? When we look at this passage, will we do what Jesus does? Uh, there's a big difference, isn't there, between Jesus and the Pharisees. They, they would never go near tax collectors, because they were better than that. They, uh, they, the whole name of a Pharisee means to be separate, to be apart, to kind of be better by, by doing that, keeping away. And Jesus is perfect, and yet he, is, he goes towards sinful people who are we more like I was really challenged by that that testimony I mean Brad grew up thinking that that church wasn't for him he wouldn't be welcome in church it wasn't for people like him essentially because he was northern and that, that's that, that's really sad isn't it that actually churches can be like that sometimes and, and end up being more like the Pharisees than like Jesus and end up being quite separate from the world around them and just ending up with a kind of subtle sense of superiority and not really sure what to do if anyone different would come through the door. We need to think about this. What does that mean for us as a church? 
Do we welcome people? Lots of people actually talk about how welcome they feel when they come to KCC. And that is brilliant, isn't it? What a wonderful privilege it is to, to welcome people into the church family. Uh, but I'm conscious as well. I guess there's, we tend to reflect on the side of Kenilworth that is high achieving and well-educated and well-off. And yet there are people in Kenilworth from all walks of life. Where are they? Do they end up thinking, actually, I look at the church in the area and think, that's, that's church isn't for people like me. We can't be okay with that, can we? We are all in the same boat. We are all sinners that need to be saved by grace. And we need to, to work on that and reflect on that. I think we can be too quick to, to ask people, oh, what do you do? And it, you just nat- subconsciously maybe, but you're sort of, you end up putting yourself in a sort of hierarchy, don't you? Sort of, oh, what am I doing and, and where does that place me? I think it'd be good just for us to consider what, what would be our reaction if someone different came, came through the doors of the church? Maybe someone who was homeless or someone who was drunk. Maybe a, a gay couple walk into church. How are we going to react? What's our instinct going to be? Is it going to be to, to move towards them and welcome them and love them? I know for myself, my tendency is to kind of look down, don't make eye contact and sort of shift a bit awkwardly and hope someone else goes and speaks to them. It's, it's just not, it's, it's hard, isn't it? It's hard to do that. And it's a relief when you see, oh, someone else has gone. That's okay. Uh, we, and there, praise God, there are people in the church who are really good at, at reaching out to, to, to all sorts of people. But that's something we need to work on, isn't it? And think about how do we reflect Christ's love. It's not about that gritting our teeth, not about going, oh, I suppose I've got to, haven't I? It's growing in compassion, growing in, in love because Jesus loves us. He really loves us. We can really love other people. We are sinners made saints through God's grace. And we want other people to know that. We want other people to, to know that for themselves. That, that got, got me thinking about this. Does that, does that mean we can be a church who is honest about our, our sin and our struggles of our Christian walk? Are we able to honestly be honest with people? If we're struggling with certain things, is there someone you know, I could speak to them, I can be honest with them, open up, I can ask for prayer? Or are we a bit embarrassed to ask for prayer for ourselves? We, we, it's easier, isn't it, to ask prayer for other people rather than things for ourselves? We have come as sinners, saved by grace. We are not perfect. We, we shouldn't pretend that we're perfect. It means we've got things that we, we will need to address and grow and change in. And we can do that together. And if we get God's love, if we understand that, if we let that transform us and humble us, it will flow into how we spend the rest of our lives. Where God's placed us. Uh, at work, with our families, with our neighbours. Like... Brad was saying in the testimony there, just kind of like being in that community, being there for people, just, just, it's what Jesus did. He went out to people, he was there. And we live in a, a place where it's hard to be a Christian and it's going to get harder. People will, will notice our love more than, you know, they might, they might hate us for what we believe, but they, they won't have a word to say of us because they see our deep love for them. That's what we want, isn't it? I hope that's just some helpful things for us to consider. Why don't I pray? And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll move on. Let's pray. Loving Father, we thank you so much for your great kindness, your great love towards us. 
uh, would you work in us so that we don't end up responding like the Pharisees, that we would never be judgmental or, or anything like that. You'd help us to, to welcome others like you have welcomed us, that we would reflect your love in our lives. Just pray, Lord, that, that we would really know so deeply your love for us, that security, that glorious, amazing love that you have adopted us as your children, that, from that secure place that we can love others. Help us to do that, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.